Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. First reading is from Genesis 3, 8 through 15. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God said to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was a woman who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head, but you will strike his head. Here ends the reading. Continuing on the second reading, a reading from 2 Corinthians 4.13-5.1. to 5, 1. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, also raised us with Jesus and presented us to himself together with you. All of this for the, is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The things that we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Here ends the reading. Our gospel lesson today comes from the third chapter of Mark. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again, so he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers and religious of the religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. If Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? 
Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and they sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside. They're asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother, my brothers. Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and sisters and mother. Here ends the reading. So the other day... um, we had put the kids to bed, my wife and I had put the kids down, and it was one of those evenings where we didn't have a bunch of then chores lined up for once they go to sleep, like things we had to take care of. It was one of these wild evenings where we're like, that's it! What are we going to do? And we decided, get this, this is wild, we're going to watch a movie. Can you believe it? A movie, what a thought! So uh, we have one of those like stream, the little like streaming devices, and we found one of these free sites that had some random movies on it, and we found this one that was rather nostalgic to us. It came out probably while I was like in fifth grade or something like that, and it was a real big deal. Um, and I was like, yeah, I remember when I saw that movie too. Uh, I went blah, 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 and I go, first time I saw it, I invited, it was a friend was coming over for sleepover, and he bought the VHS of this bad boy. And I was like, this movie, I heard it's so cool. So we started watching it, I was loving it, and my dad walks into our living room while we're watching, about halfway through, sits down. He's not the type who really cares about the plot anyways. He's just kind of happy to be sitting down for a sec. And, uh, I remember watching this. It was one of these movies where the uh, main protagonists were kind of like outlaws, right? Like, like anti-heroes. And they were doing a big heist job. Like they were going to steal something. And at this point in the climax, um, the heist has gone kerplunk, right? Like all the guards are after him. There's a huge firefight. And I'm like, whoa! And I'm watching this going, oh man, they better get out of there if they want to survive. I'm sitting there like this and I hear my dad go, yeah, get them! get him! <laughs> and I go, what? What are you, huh? And he goes, get him! And I go, why, you, Dad, you're rooting for the wrong people! And he goes, what do you mean? I don't get it. Am I supposed to root for thieves? And I go, huh. You don't know these thieves like I do. I've watched this whole movie. Get out of here. You're ruining it. And he's like, I just don't know. Listen, if you don't want to get shot at, you shouldn't steal from people with weapons. And I was like, okay. I kind of get you. You didn't watch it. You don't know what you're talking about. Because to me, yes, they're doing bad things, but like they were kind of the heroes of the story, even though they were like outlaws. You don't know the revenge tale that's being told here. You don't get it, Dad. And I'm thinking about it though a little further. I'm like, you know, I never really cared in Star Wars when the Death Star blew up and blew up all those stormtroopers. I was like, yeah, get them. <laughs> Or like when you're watching G.I. Joe as a kid, I'm like, don't blow up Cobra Command Center. All those poor Cobra workers are in there. No, I didn't care because they were bad guys. And I was like, yeah, I guess to my dad, these heroes are the bad guys. This anti-hero idea was throwing me through a loop. My dad wanted my heroes to get what was coming to them for stealing, right? For breaking the rules. So... I guess I understand, because they, to him, as he walked into it, they're the bad guys. They break the law, and people who break the law, they're bad people. But are they, you know? I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll lift up a character. You tell me if it's a good guy or a bad guy. Jesus! 
Oh, I guess you haven't heard about all those laws he broke. You were here, if you were here last week, he did a healing right before this story. You know when he did that healing? Sabbath. How could he? Despicable Jesus. How could he do that? You know his disciples, I heard they pick grain on the Sabbath too. Hmm. Hmm. I heard he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. You know what they call his disciples? They call them drunkards because all they do is eat and drink. I don't know. He just seems... I heard rumor. So I heard rumor he's a disciple of that guy, uh, John the Baptist. You guys know about him, right? Calling everybody a brood of vipers like he knows them. Forgiven sins or something. You know, you remember John the Baptist. You know, he talked trash about the king. Started calling out the king's wedding saying it wasn't a real marriage because it was really adultery. How dare he do that to our king? That's offensive. It's inappropriate. And it throws into chaos our sacred institution of respecting our good king given to us by God. He wouldn't do those kind of things. And I heard Jesus is one of his disciples. Hmm. I don't know what to make of this Jesus character. He might be doing healings, but he certainly isn't doing it the right way. My guess, they said, is he's doing this by the power of an evil spirit. He's, he's the devil himself. He's Satan, if he's anything. Because if he wasn't Satan, he wouldn't break all these very important institutional rules. It's ridiculous, right? Like, who can argue Jesus is a bad guy? Anybody who knows these things I just told you about him, they could argue he's done these things. He's a rule breaker. He's a disruptor. And in the future, these people will execute him for these things. They'll be like, that's enough. That's too many strikes against you, bud. You're out. You're a threat to peace. You're a threat to our safety. You're a threat to all of our ancient holy institutions. Despite whatever you're doing, which may or may not be good, but I have a hard time believing it's good, Nothing good can come from such a lawbreaker and rule breaker. You know bad when you see it, don't you? And that's, I think, something we all could say we do pretty well. We're really good at finding faults in other people, right? Talk about your neighbors for a little bit. You know, we can find problems with everybody. Talk about a politician you don't really like. Woof! Easy. Let me tell you all the ways that this person is full on evil and wrong and wicked. We're so good at spotting evil, sin, missteps. It's just so great. I wonder, though, how good are we at spotting something good? When something is actually good. I don't know. I think sometimes we have a hard time seeing something good, depending on who it comes from. The example I'll give is, I don't know if you've heard about this uh, speech, uh, valedictorian speech out of Kentucky the other day, all these graduations. This valedictorian speech was happening. And uh, the young man said, it's now time in my speech to do some inspiring quotes that I found on Google. And everyone chuckled a little bit, and he goes, don't just get involved, fight for your seat at the table. Better yet, fight for a seat at the head of the table. Donald J. Trump. And this is in Pineville, Kentucky. They voted largely in favor of Donald Trump in the election, and they said, woo! They were happy to hear the quote from the person they supported. And then while they're clapping, he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. That was Barack Obama. And the crowd stopped. And out of the crowd came a few, boo, boo. And he's just cracking himself up. A bunch of teenagers are in the front row just laughing because what a funny turn, a trick he played on the crowd. It doesn't really matter what kind of 
wisdom was expressed here because it's only good if it's said by people we know we like. If it's said by someone else, it can't be good. This is Jesus. He heals someone for goodness sake. Something unqualifiedly good. And they're like, yeah, no, if Jesus did it, can't be all good. It's like my dad in that movie. Despite only hopping in halfway through, he knows these are lawbreakers. So get them. Just get them. The movie's not real, but still, how different are we when we hear a news report of a criminal act and the, the, the assailant has been, uh, has been uh, obtained? We got him. They're like, ooh, I, we're, we're, we love it. We're like, I hope, I hope they get what they get coming to them, right? Myself included, I spend a lot of time determining what's wrong. I think society generally does. That's how we're organized, right? Crime and punishment. Law and order. If you do right, you're going to be fine. If you don't do right, you will not be fine. If you hurt, you will be hurt. If you kill, you will be killed. If you disrupt, you will be removed. In Jesus' case, you question authority, you can expect to see us at every moment you gather a crowd, and we are going to argue with you. We are going to challenge you. You call us robbers, we're going to have you arrested. You threaten the destruction of a temple. You'll destroy this temple and in three days rebuild it. Nice try, bud. You're going to be executed. How dare you? So when Jesus says, how can Satan deal with Satan? How can they fight one another? I think we've heard this and seen this exact thing happening. What happens when they do that? This is violence for violence, evil repaying evil. This is pain for pain. This is hurt for hurt. This is punishment for punishers. Because it's all we have, right? What's the alternative? We let evil persist? In Psalms, in our beautiful song, we ask these questions. Why has this happened? How do we protect ourselves in this safe house of faith? The Satan versus Satan approach. We ask, how can we suffer so much pain? How can so much horror befall us? We are the same questions in rallies. Why is this happening? And we try and we try. And most of the time our way to stop evil is, we'll perpetrate so much evil upon you, you'll never try evil again. And Jesus asks, How does Satan cast out Satan? How does it do that? Because my guess is you're just burning the house down. It's fire with fire. It's more fire. This Satan versus Satan approach, this is what Jesus, I think, is talking about. When he got into that, it changed halfway through into this strong man protecting a house, right? This is the strong man that controls the world. Pain for pain, evil for evil. This is the strong man that we all live with all the time. It's our fear, it's our greed, our desire for revenge. It's the part of me that embarrassingly loves when the bad guy in the movie gets taught a hard lesson. That'll teach him. Just like my dad, just like many of us, I assume. It's our favorite, but it's also our very undoing. When that sentiment overtakes us, the strong man prevails, and we remain trapped in his house. A house that's collapsing. Now, this has mostly been a bummer, so I'll apologize for that. But here's the good news. Ah, it's coming. Guess what? Jesus is involved. Jesus enters that house. In our story, Jesus enters that house right away. He confronts the strong man. But he comes in there to bind him up. Bind him up, plunder the house, set the captive free. But how? Does Jesus kill anyone? Is there any part where Jesus is like, Mount up, fellas, get your swords. It's time to behead Caesar. No. It never happens. Instead, he submits to pursuing God's will. 
That's a life of forgiveness. That's a life of mercy. Turning the other cheek, right? When he does that, the strong man does what the strong man always does. He killed him. You can't fight this with mercy. (laughs) You can't fight strength with weakness. You can't fight anger with forgiveness. And they killed him. And all of us still trapped in the house of that strong man are going, great, now what? We know the story. Three days later, the tomb's empty. The strong man has been revealed as being completely incompetent. The strong man has no power anymore, not in face of this new reality of the empty tomb. We're being invited into a freedom that reveals that that whole system Violence for violence, evil for evil. That's a lie. We're being invited into a new story of freedom, escape from that sick narrative of pain. And that freedom looks a lot like Jesus, which is a lot like vulnerability, humility, forgiveness. It's no longer relentlessly identifying and pursuing perpetrators of sin. That's what's wrong. That's what's wrong. That's who's wrong. That's who's at fault. It's no longer living a life irritated by the actions of others that we worry will disrupt our best laid plans who break all the rules. It's like Jesus who actively forgives the people who hurt him. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. I know it sounds crazy, but forgive. Don't hold judgment over your neighbor. Pursue God, pursue goodness and mercy instead of relentlessly pursuing so we might punish evil. It sounds so wild. It's so wild that Jesus' own family is like, Psst, Jesus, come inside. This is ridiculous what you're saying. Come inside. We've got to reframe this message of yours. And he says, no, no. This is the message. I will not hide this message of forgiveness. I won't stop binding up the strong man and frustrating him because this, this is what my true family does. It's a family who does the will of God. Not the folks who cast people out, punish those they perceive are wicked because fixating our eyes, our thoughts, our cares and concerns on evildoers, fixating ourselves on the separation of people, the casting out of ne'er-do-wells. That is Satan work. That's what Satan does, is divide and cast out. So for that I say thanks be to God that we know the story is not about us being cast out. That's not the story. No, way better than being cast out, we are being invited every day into God's story. Who are my family, Jesus says? The ones who do the will of God. We don't squash evil. We grow goodness. We don't accuse and cast out. We draw people in. We're changed by one another. We are being invited every day into the will of God, into a life of forgiveness and mercy. And that is true freedom. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.